Okay. Um, so I see there's a few people that have joined us, uh, Max, Beth, Mindy, uh, Rohit, Carr. Um, do you guys uh, hear us? Does it, can just anybody say, yep, yep you do? Okay, very good. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, we will, uh, I think there's, an, there's, there's not that many folks on, so maybe let's do quickly um, a round of introductions. Just, I'm curious to know kind of your affiliation. Um, I assume most people are probably affiliated with the university, but I'm curious um, what your affiliation is with the university and also just what your interest overall is in transit. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll start. So I'm Boris Palchik. Uh, I'm the project manager here for with Foursquare Integrated Transportation Planning. We're the firm that's leading um, this study. And um, we I have with me also my colleague, Rebecca Martin, who will be uh, taking notes today and um, actually leading kind of you'll, you'll be you'll see some of your notes showing up on the screen uh, later in the presentation um, and then we have a few folks who with uh, the university and the MPO and the transit providers so I'll let them quickly introduce themselves so let's see Adam you want to go first sure um, hi everyone Adam Weigel I'm the transit and parking manager for the city of Lawrence uh, Margreta hi I'm Margreta DeFries I'm with KU Transportation Services okay Jennifer Oh, sorry, Jennifer, Jessica. Hi, I'm Jessica Mortinger, and I'm the Transportation Planning Manager with our Metropolitan Planning Organization. Okay, um, let's see. We Felice. should go ahead with Max next, since he actually works for us. Oh, okay. Max, go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is Max. Um, I'm a student who works for Transportation Services at KU uh, as a Transportation Coordinator. Um, I'm excited to be here. Okay, great. Uh, let's do Felice next. Hi, Felice, transit planner too, with Lawrence Transit. Okay. Uh, Rohit? Hi, I'm Rohit, and I'm a PhD student at KU, and I'm using the Lawrence Transit system from last, like, more than two years. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, let's see, Carr? Um, I am just trying to learn what you all are doing. I have a program in Lawrence. Um, I do provide transportation in Kansas City area. Okay. Um, Mindy? Hi, I'm Mindy Van House. I work with KU International Short Programs. So I'm working with large groups of um, international students that come for a short time and need to use the transit system. Great. And then Beth? Um, so I'm Beth Benfield. I'm a grant coordinator that's here at the university. Uh, we have a summer program that has students come in, but on a personal level, uh, the transit system is my backup uh, since mm -hmm. we share vehicles in our house while well, we share a vehicle. <laughs> um, so I use it as a means for transportation for work and business uh, meetings on campus. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you all. I think that's everybody that, that I can see. Um, okay, so we'll get started. Um, we'll start first with a little bit of background on, on this project. Um, and even, you know, stepping back even further, just background on the transit systems themselves. So um, Lawrence 
the Lawrence Transit System and the University of Kansas have been working um, fairly closely for you know a, a decade or more, well, yeah, more than a decade, I should say, on trying to more closely coordinate um, services. Um, so there are 10 routes currently that are considered city routes, another eight that are university routes, and then two that are jointly funded and closely coordinated uh, between the two systems. And, and things like passenger schedules and um, ride, ride guides are, are currently printed jointly. So there is kind of this you know, effort to try to make the, the two systems somewhat seamless um, uh, between them. In 2019, the two systems carried approximately 3 million passengers. So ridership did fall during the pandemic, but um, you know, hopefully it will return and exceed its previous ridership going forward. Um, one key thing to, to note is that there's a new transfer center being developed uh, at the southeast corner of Bob Billings Parkway and Crestline Drive. This, this new transit center, the effect it'll have on the system likely is that it'll reduce the role of the downtown public library or somewhere in the vicinity of the downtown public library as the key um, transfer hub in the system. There, there will still be downtown transfers, there will still be some sort of downtown hub, but this new transit center will somewhat dilute the importance of that location as the primary transfer location in the system. Um, as the new um, transit hub comes online, it's, it's important to take a look at the system overall to make sure that it's still uh, kind of aligned and oriented toward that new new system, that, that new location, I should say. So we'll be reevaluating the current transit network to make sure that the network uh, complements the new facility and the new facility complements the network and that it's uh, integrated fairly seamlessly. Um, the, the goals of this project then are to analyze the existing system, um, to identify the strengths and weaknesses of the current service and opportunities for improving the service and expanding the service if, if warranted. Um, the, the recommendations that we'll be developing, uh, they're meant to improve the overall system efficiency. Um, and they're also, as I said, meant to ensure a smooth integration of the new, uh, the new hub, the new Bob Billings uh, transfer facility. Uh, we'll be not only looking at traditional approaches to transit, uh, which is you know fixed route service. We'll also be looking at ways that maybe we can improve mobility in in the service area with some uh, innovative new technologies. Um, that may include integration of ride hailing services or closer integration of ride hailing services, things like Uber and Lyft, um, or potentially the introduction of a new service type called microtransit, um, which is similar to Uber and Lyft, but using a dedicated fleet of vehicles rather than um, just integrating existing ride hailing uh, sedans. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. So um, we will also be trying to take a look at a question that's been sort of bouncing around for a while in Lawrence, and, and that is what will be what would the implications be of a fare free system um, for university riders? Obviously, you you have kind of the perception of a fare free system now because with your student IDs you can ride service um, free of charge. But there's uh, been discussion of making the system the entire all transit service in Lawrence fare free. So we'll be examining the implications of that. Okay, so the approach that we're taking to this project 
uh, are kind of to try to answer three overarching questions. Uh, the first question is, what does the market say? The second is, what do the numbers say? And the third is, what do the people say? And we will kind of get into what this means here and uh, going forward. So when we're talking, talking about the market, um, we are really referring to the underlying environment in which transit has to operate and has to exist in Lawrence. Um, when we are talking about the, the environment, there's one metric we look at that's very important called transit potential. And transit potential is a measure of density. So population density and employment density. Um, transit services generally do best when there are high concentrations of people that live or work in fairly close proximity to, to one another. That's where transit, at least fixed route transit service does best. So the transit potential index, which is illustrated uh, on the map on the screen now, um, it is a composite score that takes into account both population and employment density. So some areas may have uh, higher primarily um, population density with very few, uh, you know, kind of employment destinations. And then some areas may have more employment with very little population. Um, and then some areas may have a good, a, a mix of the two. And all three of those scenarios are important because all three of those scenarios tend to generate transit trips. Um, so on this, on this map, the color coding on this map shows areas that, uh, if, if you look at areas that are yellow or yellow, orange, or red, those are areas that typically we would expect to, to see transit ridership materialize. Those are areas that have the density, the minimum density or more to support fixed route transit service. Um, and we look at this kind of in sort of concurrently as we look at the transit service itself, we want to see if the transit routes are in the right place, if they if the right type of service is in the right place. So uh, we'll be digging into the service more deeply, but as a first kind of assessment, we look at the footprint of the network. So the you see here, the, the black lines are the existing transit network with the route numbers shown. And, and we can see that the footprint of the current network um, is fairly close to where we would want to see fixed route transit service. In other words, areas that are yellow or orange or red generally do have coverage. There are some exceptions. Um, for example, you know, like north of 6th Street, uh, this area here, west of Iowa, it's a fairly large area that has that shows it has some potential, it has density and potential for transit, fixed route transit service, it's not very well covered. The same can be said about Harvard Road. Um, it's sort of between, you know, 6th and Bob Billings, but it itself, you know, has some of the characteristics to support transit, but it doesn't have uh, service right in the heart of it. And then some of the growing areas of the community to the west of Wakarusa Drive, um, both south and north of, of 6th, there's you know, potential for, you know, taking a closer look to see if there's maybe opportunities to, to provide more service um, or different type of service than what's there today. So that's, that's very, you know, a quick glance at the transit potential versus where the service is. We also look at another metric that we call transit need. So transit need is uh, not just looking at population overall, it's looking at specific population groups that tend to have a higher propensity to use transit than other groups. So um, 
zero vehicle households. Um, folks without automobiles typically are more likely to use transit than households that have one or more vehicles. Persons with disabilities, low-income population, youth, young adults, um, and older adults, where those are concentrated, you tend to have a higher transit need. So, so this map is showing where we identified areas of higher transit need. Uh, now, transit need is a relative score, uh, which sets it apart from transit potential. Transit potential is looking at actual hard numbers. You know, we, we know that you need a certain density to support fixed route transit service. Transit need is looking at where, how different parts of the study area compare to one another. So you might see that there's, you know, elevated um, transit need in this sort of corner of Wakarusa and 6th Street. Um, if we kind of cross-reference that with the density there, we see that, okay, that area does have the minimum density to support fixed route transit service and the transit need is high. That's what we like to see. We like to see, we like to see where the transit need and the transit potential sort of overlap because that means you can invest, you know, fixed route resources where they have the highest uh, potential of doing good in the sense of meeting the transit need, and they have the highest potential of doing well in the sense of they have the characteristics, the density needed to support um, fixed route service. So that's the that's the transit need and the transit potential. Uh, any, any questions on, on that? I know it's kind of uh, a lot thrown at you right away, but any questions on those two concepts? Okay. So we will continue, um, but feel free anytime. I think there's a uh, raising hand function on, on Zoom, if I'm not mistaken, that you can you can use. Okay, so then um, that that's the market analysis piece. So the second uh, kind of category of analysis that we'll be doing is the service analysis. So the service analysis is looking at the service that's on the ground today and how, how it's doing based on several important metrics. Um, so at the top of the list of those metrics is ridership. Obviously, everybody always asks, you know, how, how is the ridership on a particular route? We'll be answering that question at the stop level and at the trip level in order to identify, um, time, you know, potentially times of the day when service on a particular route may be more productive uh, or, or less productive, as well as geographically. There may be some stops that are doing well on a route and others that are not. And we want to get to that level of granular detail because if a route is uh, let, let me put it this way almost every route has some redeeming qualities so we want to identify what those redeeming qualities are and then we want to kind of um, continue carry those forward uh, and make any kind of tweaks or changes to to routes where they're not doing well so that's that's why we want to know ridership by stop and by trip um, we also will be looking at productivity. So productivity is a measure um, of ridership per hour or ridership per trip. And the reason that's important is because it's a way to understand the return on investment that Lawrence Transit or KU is, is seeing. Uh, so you may be getting, you know, equal ridership on two routes, but one of those routes may require twice as many service hours to generate the same amount of ridership versus another route that generates very high ridership with uh, a lower investment in resources. So where we see high productivity, again, we wanna capitalize on that. We wanna continue investing in services doing well. And then where we see low productivity, we wanna find opportunities to potentially reinvest uh, resources. 
And then on-time performance, that's another key metric that we'll be looking at for the service analysis. Um, on-time performance helps us understand the reliability of a service, um, because if a service is not reliable, then people will not continue using it. They may try it once or twice, but they won't, will not become regular riders. So we want to understand where routes are struggling in terms of on-time performance, whether that's um, arriving late um, or even in some cases arriving early, which can be very frustrating for riders because a bus that arrives early and leaves early means that somebody may miss, the, miss that trip altogether because it left the stop before the passengers got there. Uh, we'll also be looking at network connectivity. So that um, is uh, referring to transfer opportunities uh, where, where passengers can connect from one route to another and also from one mode to, to another. Um, if there's service that allows people to transfer, let's say, to inner city bus service um, or to other types of, of services that, that, um, that, that may be of interest to, to riders. Um, we want to make sure the schedules also align uh, where there are transfer opportunities. We want to make sure that the wait time is minimized between uh, connections. Um, and then as we move along in the study, uh, when we do develop recommendations and we do develop service scenarios, we'll be vetting those um, against the kind of lens of environmental justice. So looking at who's being impacted positively and negatively by any changes being proposed. Um, if we are, uh, if, if populations, including minority populations and low and moderate income populations, if, if they are being uh, disproportionately impacted in a negative way, we, we definitely wanna flag that and avoid those situations. This, this is in line with the Lawrence strategic plan as well, um, which does state that there are, you know, mi minority and, and low income population uh, groups uh, must be considered in these sorts of uh, assessments. Okay, so um, as we do move into developing uh, new new service ideas. As I mentioned, we'll be looking at innovative uh, technologies and, and new approaches that are now sort of uh, popping up uh, in on the scene in the in the transit planning world. Um, so that includes things like ride hailing integration. So um, it, ride hailing integration means that just one example: if you are using a transit app, you may see. Uh, information about rideshare like Uber and, and Lyft listed as an option, you know, and you can see sort of a comparison of, of, of the price and the time uh, that that trip would take versus transit and vice versa. In some communities, when you open an Uber and Lyft app, you also see transit information for that, for the purpose of comparisons. Um, the benefit of uh, ride hail Ride, ride hailing integration is um, in part for the first and last mile connection aspect of it. So what that means is there may be areas of the community that are not well served by transit, uh, either at specific times of, of day or, or overall. And so, so it may be difficult to complete your trip without that first, without some other first and last mile connection to get you to your final destination. Um, there oftentimes, in a transit system is a point of diminishing return. Uh, what that means is after a certain hour of the day, maybe eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ridership really starts dropping off um, to the point where you have to start asking, does it make sense to continue investing in ridership past 
a certain hour? Um, and if the answer is no, but there's still some you know need for mobility services later than the point where you sort of the point of diminishing return, you may consider um, a transit system may consider providing subsidies to uh, rideshare services uh, in order to ensure that there is some safety net, there is some way to uh, complete your trips during all times of the day when uh, you know when there's substantial demand, but when maybe fixed route service is no longer the best approach. Um, and then the the third reason why uh, some transit systems consider integrating ride hailing services is because there are some time sensitive trips that people, I guess you can say, are willing to pay a premium to to have another option for. Uh, so you know, if, if a bus runs hourly, um, but you really need to make it to a doctor's appointment, you're running late or something, something like that. Uh, Uber and Lyft may be a better choice for that particular scenario. Um, and in some, some systems will provide subsidy for a certain number of trips like that during, during a semester or during a year. It may not be all the time, but for, for time sensitive trips, that may be an option. Um, and, you know, the integration really can span all uh, a range of, of, of options. So it could be limited to just cross promotion, like I mentioned earlier, just seeing all your options on one app, um, or it could, could be go all the way to trip subsidies. So that's, that's uh, what ride hailing integrations is about, something we'll be looking at. And then the other option we'll be looking at is, is something called microtransit, which is similar to Uber and Lyft, but it uses a dedicated fleet of vehicles and a dedicated uh, group of drivers. So um, essentially it's using the same technology, the same interface that people are used to with Uber and Lyft, but it's using branded vehicles, it's using larger vehicles, and the trips typically are more shared in nature. So rather than, you know, with Uber or Lyft, you get picked up and then dropped off, the next person gets picked up and dropped off. With microtransit, it's a larger vehicle where maybe you get picked up and then three other people get picked up along the way before some of you get, get dropped off. Um, so that's that's kind of the difference between, you know, the microtransit, sorry, the ride, ride hailing services and the microtransit services. Uh, any questions on that technology? Okay. So, uh, as I said, there's th there, there's three categories of there's really three data sets that we'll be um, analyzing to to get a, a, a sense of um, what the key issues are in terms of transit and mobility in the community. There's the market and the service, and then the third one is stakeholder outreach. So that's input from all of you and your peers, your colleagues in the community. So stakeholder outreach is is really key because it allows us to understand things that the other two uh, data sets would never. Uh, allow us to see because there's a lot of intangibles that we don't get from just a technical assessment of just the numbers. Um, the stakeholder outreach allows us to understand preferences and priorities of, of the riders. Um, and so it helps, helps us really understand um, the direction to take as we start redesigning services. There's a, a survey that is up now. It's on um, Lawrence, uh, it, it's on a platform called Lawrence Listens. So the link is here. Um, and I believe it's also posted on the Lawrence Transit website, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Adam? There's a yes, link to that's this? true. We also have okay. it there. 
Yep. So um, you can uh, go to, to this link to take the survey. Um, and we'll be talking a little bit about the, the survey here tonight, but it'll be open through at least July 1st, maybe a few days after that. And we really encourage you to not only take it, but share, share the word that this survey um, is out there. So the survey asks a series of very basic kind of demographic questions, who you are, how you use the service, but it also asks a series of trade-off questions that, that may be a little bit more challenging for people to, to really um, understand in, in full. So I wanna spend some time here this evening um, or this afternoon talking through these stakeholder questions so you understand exactly why we're asking them um, and what, what we had in mind. So uh, the first of those uh, trade-off questions is asking whether you would prefer longer hours or more frequent service. The reason that questions like this are important is because a transit system has to work within a finite budget. It has a set of resources that, that it can choose to invest in one way or the other, um, but oftentimes uh, a transit system does need to make difficult choices on how, how to invest those resources. So we're trying to get a sense in these questions on what you really, you as riders or you as community members prioritize. So the transit service currently um, in, the Lawrence, in Lawrence is available from six in the morning to eight in the evening, Mondays through Saturdays. And the frequency of most routes is every 30 or 60 minutes. So the question that we're asking is if you had to choose, would you prefer longer service hours um, so, for example, extending service to 10 to 10 p.m. On, on weekdays, or would you prefer more frequent bus service? So let's say service every 15 minutes. And, and that's the first question, the first trade-off question that we're asking. Um, in, Horace, yep. I'm going to add in here that for KU students, when we're on the A schedule, when the KU routes are running, they all the routes that are KU oriented have schedules until 10.30 p.m. And so this question might sound unintuitive to KU people, but all of the 10 routes that the city operates don't have that schedule. And so that's where this is especially important is for the, KU, the city routes and potentially a year round service that runs that late as opposed to just the KU routes on the KUA schedule. Yeah, that's a great point. Is this just a blanket question or is it specific by routes? Because some routes, I would answer this question completely different compared to another route. That's so that it is a blanket question. There are there are places in the survey where you can provide uh, sort of free response um, uh, details. So if there are cases like that where you feel like you need to, you know, write out, I, you know, this route, ha I have an issue with this route or that route, you can do that in the places where there are free response questions. Um, in addition, we'll be talking about those kind of things in on this call tonight. So um, anything you'd like to bring up, will there will be an opportunity to do that in just a few minutes. Okay. So the next the next uh, trade-off question is asking um, whether people would prefer Sunday service um, or add, I should say adding Sunday service or improving existing service. So uh, Lawrence Transit does not currently provide Sunday service and um, within the current budget, 
adding Sunday service would require a reduction in service elsewhere. So it could be on weekdays, it could be on uh, Saturdays, um, and it could be a matter of reducing hours or reducing frequency, but something would have to give in order to, to add Sunday service. So the trade-off question is asking that if you had to choose, um, would you prefer adding Sunday service, which could result in a reduction of weekday and or Saturday service, or focusing on improving weekday and or Saturday service? Um, and if anybody has any, any thoughts actually about, about this, we can also pause to, dis to discuss uh, now. Yeah, Boris, this is Adam. Um, I might suggest that. I know uh, it seems to me there's maybe some thoughts on the last question as we work our way through these so we don't get too far away from where people's heads are at. Maybe it's worth pausing at each one. Yeah. So I don't know. I saw in the chat both um, Mindy and Beth maybe had some thoughts on the last one on that time of day and frequency and maybe had some thoughts on which routes you'd favor under certain circumstances. I'd be interested hearing more about that. Yeah, thanks for calling that. I don't. I for some reason I'm not seeing the chat, but let me see if I can figure out why I'm not seeing it. Um, well, anyway, let's let's go ahead and um, if you please, Adam, when you see that, please do get my attention on on that. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Anybody that wants that did provide something in the chat. I agree with Beth um, that it really depends on the route because. And Rohit brought this up is the number 11 for a lot of our international students, you know, that live on campus. It's a really important route um, and it hits a lot of international students that live off campus too in certain areas. And so, you know, that route having, you know, more frequent service, especially like on weekends, um, and maybe even some Sundays would be really important, but some routes, you know, it you could probably lighten the service a little bit, but Sunday service would be really great. I know for international students, um, just because they're kind of stuck, you know, um, they can only use Uber on Sundays at this point. And so that would be really good to have at least, you know, even if it's only like every two hours or, you know, a few buses a day would be helpful, I think, because they can kind of plan that out. Um, you know, they don't have to necessarily get somewhere on a, a timely in a timely manner on weekends, just being able to get out and do something um, on a Sunday would be useful. Mm -hmm. uh, my concern is not specifically about uh, buses on Sunday, but my concern is because after the pandemic, they reduced the frequency of bus 11 when it is on B scheduled. Earlier it was every 30 minutes, but now it is every after 90 minutes. So that is causing problem for a lot of students. Rohit, Boris, I'll, I'll actually answer that one. Uh, Rohit, that was a purely budgetary concern on KU's side since this is a coordinated route. We had to choose where to eliminate service and be able to save our money due to the lower enrollment since all of our funding is based on enrollment. And because there was still some service with the city's part of the B schedule, that was one where we had to choose between no service on a whole nother route or cutting mm -hmm. service on route 11. But that whole schedule will be going back to its 30 minute service this coming year. 
Uh, so on August, in August, it will return to the schedule that it had before the pandemic. All right. Okay. Thanks, Margareta. Okay. Um, I guess my main comment on on the particular routes is uh, on some of the routes where it's every 60 minutes currently or should be every 60 minutes. Um, if you have to be someplace by a certain time and you don't have the experience of knowing what is the correct time to choose based off of rider, uh, how many riders there are, um, there are sometimes unpleasant delays in the fact that you don't have a space to get on the bus. <laughs> um, and so I know it's not totally feasible to, you know, for a worker standpoint, uh, if somebody who's driving the buses to have more routes uh, at peak times uh, so that there's less chance of, of you not having space to get on a bus and then maybe reducing time on the in-between times where there's quite not so many uh, service participants, service riders. Mm -hmm. um, but that is a concern on some routes. There are some routes where you have to either go in extremely early or possibly later if you're able to, just so that you can try to make sure you have a space on the bus. Very good. That's yeah. And Mindy, you agree with that? Is that the thumbs up? Yes, hundred percent. Okay. Um, uh, which I'm I'm guessing that with the pandemic, that's less of an issue. But which routes um, would that apply to in in the past, where you had um, overcrowding and and getting a seat was an issue? Uh, definitely thirty. <laughs> Uh, and I haven't been able to use 29 as often uh, since moving over into this area, so I'm not quite so sure, um, but it takes a lot more time to plan out when to meet the bus because there's less chances of mm -hmm. meeting it when I need to be in, so. Did you say Route 30? Yeah. 30 doesn't usually run except on a 20 minute schedule. So do you mean... in the, No, in the mornings and stuff, there is because it runs um, up by First Baptist Church, Apple, it goes down Bob Billings um, and in front of uh, the apartments and stuff. So Apple Lane, if you get on on the wrong... <laughs> the wrong location sure. on that so you're route saying even every 20 minutes isn't enough on route 30 in the morning. at certain times in the day absolutely especially okay. in the morning <laughs> i just morning. wanted to check since it was discussion about 60 minute service and then when you said route 30 it didn't jive for me so i just yeah. wanted to check <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. yeah i've found that also that you know at certain times of the day because our groups come in, you know, um, at certain times during the semester and sometimes very strange times during the semester. And we're trying to get them to classes. And of course, you know, the rest of the students are all hopping on the bus, you know, five, 10 minutes before they have to be class. And we have to make sure that to get our groups there, we have to get up there, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes early, um, just because otherwise we're not able to get on the bus. So I can definitely agree with that. Great. 
Well, not great, but good, good comments. Okay. Um, let me move on to the next trade-off then. So the next trade-off is referring to um, whether you would prefer more frequent bus stops or faster travel time. So the, the bus stops uh, currently throughout Lawrence, where you do have a bus route, currently they're placed approximately every two blocks along each route. In some, some cases more, some cases less, but sort of on typical on average. Um, the more bus stops there are along a route, the more likely it is that there will be a stop close to a rider's final destination. Um, on the other hand, if, a, if bus stops are placed further apart, uh, a bus can travel a bit faster along the route with fewer stops. So it may make for faster travel time once you're actually on the bus. So the question here is um, whether people prefer more bus stops along a route for shorter walk distances or fewer bus stops along a route for faster bus travel. Any, any thoughts on that one? Well, I think there are services for those that are having, you know, issues, um, mobility issues. So I would think like having them a little bit further apart and increasing, you know, the speed of the routes would be beneficial, but I'm not sure if everybody would agree with that or not. Okay. I do want to mention, I see Adina posted in the chat um, that more stops for shorter distances is something they're interested in. Okay. That's just a personal preference and an assumption of, of other people's preferences, um, considering, you know, the volatile weather we can have and um, you feel like you're getting somewhere at least when you're moving um, instead of um, having to wait, you know, longer or, or walk you, further you, um, would be my preference. Do you feel like you have... Um, this the sidewalks and the infrastructure and, and things like that are fairly supportive to um, allow you to get your get to your closest bus stop comfortably i'm i'm having a bad internet connection day so i'm not sure if i'm clear to you all but i couldn't hear the question very clearly and i have to confess to you I, i'm a ku employee and i actually live in kansas city so i have um very poor knowledge of, of the bus system, but I serve um, our, our communities and do get asked questions that I need to be better prepared to answer. Um, but I'm, I'm also sort of thinking of people with disabilities and wondering what, um, what people with disabilities would prefer, and I can't speak for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. We do have a good comment in the chat from Jessica. I don't, I'm, Jessica, I'm happy to read that, or I didn't know if you wanted to chime in. So um, uh, Jessica mentions that um, that due to their disability, they can't use the bus stop from close to their house because the stop is too far. Um, even though Jessica is close to a route, not necessarily close to a stop. So that can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. okay. All right, thanks, Jessica. And I don't know, um, Jessica, if you're able to put in the chat, but I would be kind of interested in the same similar question that Boris asked if, if um, uh, Distance, I understand, maybe too far, but as far as the sidewalks in that area, are they in um, good enough shape to support that type of trip on, um, like, using a mobility device? Or okay, yeah, and the response is that sidewalks are um, are fine in her area. Okay. All right. So I, I guess we have uh, some split on on that question, which is fine. Um, we're you know hopefully as we uh, we we already have. 
of 300, more than, I think more than 370 survey responses already. So as we get more and more of these, hopefully some of these where we do expect there to be, you know, a difference of opinion, uh, we hope to, to see some, if not consensus, some, some majority opinion on, on some of these questions that obviously are a tough trade-off either way. So moving along, um, the next trade-off question in the survey is asking um, people if they prefer more service coverage or more service frequency. And so just some background, so buses currently operate both along major streets, such as I-16th Street, and in some cases along smaller neighborhood uh, or residential streets. So the benefit of serving neighborhood streets is that you provide closer access for many riders. But if you keep buses on major streets only, you could allow for more frequent service along those, along those major streets, um, although some people may have to walk a bit further to get to those major streets. So uh, the choice here is buses running more frequently, but on fewer streets, or buses running on more streets, but with, few, but with less frequent service. Um, this, this one sometimes confuses folks because they wonder how this ties into the previous question. The previous question was asking, assuming we already have a bus route, do you prefer stops every block or every four blocks? That was the last question. Um, this one is asking, do you prefer service on more streets or on fewer streets, but with more frequent service on those fewer streets? So any thoughts there? I think the, the question leads for people to think of major streets as only the truly major ones, like uh, Wakarusa, Castled, uh, Iowa, and then going the other direction and stuff, things like uh, 6th Street, uh, Bob Billings, 30, well, Clinton Parkway, 10th Street. And if those are the only major streets that are being considered, then I think you lose the reason why the bus system in Lawrence is better than in other places is because it is more accessible to people mm -hmm. to actually get on the bus route. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there, that, that, that's the, that's a trade-off. Um, you have closer access, which is great and very convenient for, for lots of people. Um, however, again, with the, with a, you know, sort of pot of resources being finite, uh, the trade-off is if you, you know, some people prefer very frequent service um, and it's understood that if you, I guess, if you, um, uh, try to cover, you know, a very, very wide area, then that, that'll weigh into your ability to provide frequency um, everywhere. So it's a, it's a trade-off. Okay, any other thoughts on that one? All right. Adina, I might ask you to maybe clarify, it has to chat question about um, safety consideration trade-offs. I, I guess my initial thought is we would hope that of no matter what we are structuring the service like that we would be prioritizing something like safety, not necessarily trade off with anything, but um, I don't know if you had something specific in mind related to safety. Absolutely, I would make that same assumption too. Um, I guess I'm thinking in terms of like vehicular accidents or pedestrian accidents and also like street lamp safety um, when it's dark, that kind of those combinations of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
I think I think everyone that answers this particular question is going to have their their own considerations um, in mind on why they choose one over the over the other, um, and any any specific feedback that you have about locations that you feel are unsafe or need um, you know maybe need additional street lighting or something like that. I, I'd encourage you either to let us know or to um, enter that in the survey itself in some of the free response areas. I might just chime in that a couple of the ways we're addressing those aren't necessarily related to routes and the service type things we're talking about now. There are annual efforts to like improve bus stops and with part of that being improving lighting at ones that don't have good lighting, that sort of thing. So there's certainly some safety efforts related to uh, like people's interaction with bus stops and the buses themselves that we try to address on an ongoing basis. Um, so I hope maybe that gets a, a little bit at what um, what you're keying into there. Okay. So the, the next um, category here is asking about improving existing service versus serving new areas. Um, so transit currently serves most corridors and destinations in Lawrence, but there are some gaps that still do exist. Um, I think I mentioned a few of them earlier, but for example, there's little or no service north and west of 6th and Iowa Street uh, or west of Wakarusa. Uh, some of those are new areas that are, that are um, still seeing a lot of development. Um, so the question we're asking is, would you prioritize improving service, um, you know, improving service schedules and reliability um, to the areas that are currently served or expanding to, to new areas? And any thoughts there? Okay, um, I there was a chat. I am I did finally find the chat. <laughs> so. And I might, yeah, I do want to touch base on that's a great question from Beth about um, bus stop with the bus stop considerations. Will there be more covered stops? That you know, from a from the agency side of things, that is a consideration. The the more bus stops we have on the street, the greater investment we need to make so that all those bus stops are accessible and comfortable for people with things like benches and shelters. And there, there is a, um, there's a certain limit to the amount of resources we can get out onto the street each year for improvements on that sort of thing. So th the more bus stops we have, the more we're stretched to try to figure out how to make those comfortable and improved bus stops with things like shelters. Um, we're certainly working through that now. I think this summer we're looking at a little more than 20 bus stops improved, a number of those with shelters. Um, but that's definitely a consideration if we, let's say we double the number of our bus stops, uh, it'd take us a little time to have those all be improved, um, both from ADA access and also things like seating and shelters. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Um, so the next question is uh, asking about maintaining service levels or eliminating fares. Um, as I mentioned, that's a topic that's being discussed um, in the Lawrence community about the possibility of, of free fare of a free fare system um, city citywide. So transit service is supported by uh, a number of funding sources, including onboard fare payments. So any reduction in funding sources, um, including fares, would impact the ability to provide 
the current levels of service. So um, the what Lawrence Transit has been exploring is the possibility of eliminating the current $1 regular fare for all riders. So was the question we have is, would people prefer to maintain existing fares, so that $1 per ride for most passengers, um, or eliminating fares, which could result, result in service reductions? Any thoughts on that? And that this is one again, I think, as Margareta said earlier, maybe. I'm going to encourage everybody to answer this one as if they were not KU ID card holders. Um, I wonder if it's ever been investigated about like having some kind of donation system set up so that people that could afford it can donate to people. Because um, I believe you have like low income, um, like fee reduction type passes too, but what about the people like are still needing it, uh, but just having like a fund that you could pull out of, you know, and make it free for, you know, people like uh, to a little bit higher income level um, than is currently, or, you know, be able to get those reduced cost passes for like a, to a higher level income and just offsetting it a little bit by asking for donations I'm, I know the Lawrence community is extremely generous when it comes to that kind of thing, and it might be something to, yeah, or as Adina said, a recommended fare, um, something to investigate. Hmm. Not sure how it would work, a, though. <laughs> that's a good, good thought. I know many communities do have social service providers that do provide um, occasional fares for their uh, clients or, or customers or, or patients. Um, and, and those, those often are supported by various, you know, donations, not directly to the transit agency, but rather to the social service providers who then purchase some of those kinds of fares. Um, I don't know if that exactly is happening in Lawrence or not. Probably Adam knows um, if it is. There is some of that happening. So we have um, the Lawrence Community Shelter gets donated uh, 15,600 passes uh, per year. Um, so the through the budgeting process, they get donated those those passes, and we essentially expense that. Um, we also have a our own fair donation policy that allows any organization to apply for um, for fares for their users of their services, and we um, have a certain limit. So I, um, we actually just expanded that recently. So we're at a little over seventy three hundred dollars a year, uh, in addition to that fifteen thousand six hundred. Um, we're able to provide through that policy. So there's a couple different ways that um, the, the fare free can happen for certain users of different organizations or certain people in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like you answered the question in the chat, Adam. So well done. <laughs> okay, the next, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that, um, so even though currently because of my ID, I don't have to pay for the fare, um, I know that if I was paying for the fares, that that would be a decision, um, pretty much a budgetary decision in our household to make up our minds on that. And if you're, for people that that's the swinging vote as to whether or not you can get around town, I would think that it, trying to make it more accessible for as many people as possible would be better in the long run. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd probably vote that way to try to reduce the the amount um that people have to pay uh as much as possible but even on some of the the bus passes that are available um 
please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think last time I looked into getting like a best pass for 20 uh, of them or a monthly one that you have to use them within that month instead of just being able to purchase so many rides, whether you use it quickly or, or not quickly or unlimited for an, a specific amount of time. If those are possibilities, then that might change the way people are purchasing bus passes as well. Yeah, those are good points. The um, <clears throat> the monthly passes, yes, do kind of limit you in that way. Uh, that there's ten ride punch cards that a lot of people get as a way to get a number of passes at once, but those never expire, so people can can use those um, you know over the course of a longer time if they ride occasionally or something to that that regard. But um, yeah, yeah, those are good up, points. You use them a little bit quicker if you have to do quite a few transfers to get from one point to another. Uh, it's just, in, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, unless unless you're transferring, you know, we do have free transfers within an hour. So if, if it's to complete a certain trip, but but you're right, if you're taking kind of a lot of trips throughout the day, those can go quickly. Okay. Great comments. Um, How do you right. know that somebody's transferring within an hour? <laughs> you have to ask for a transfer slip when you board the first bus, and then it has a time limit on it. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so these these were questions that you will find in the survey. So um, if anyone has not already taken the survey, I, I would definitely encourage you to do so. And again, spread the word about it so we can get as representative a sample as possible. Um, moving on tonight, what I would like to do is um, Rebecca is going to share her screen and we're going to um, just ask a series of kind of broad questions about what's working and what's not for you. And um, she'll take notes on You'll, you'll basically visually see your comments on some note cards. So it's like, a, you know, the virtual version of a public meeting sticky board, if you've ever been to public meeting that has those. So let's, let's give that a shot. Um, I'm going to stop sharing and let Rebecca share her screen. And, okay, so the... The first question that, oh, let's see, Rebecca, are you, are you sharing your screen? Am I not seeing yes. it? Yes, can you uh, see it? Uh, I, as long as everybody else can, because I don't know, I'm having <laughs> an issue. But anyway, yes, the first- it's visible. Okay, great. Okay. So the first question is um, very broadly, what would you say Lawrence Transit and or KU on Wheels are doing well? What do you think their, their greatest strengths are? I really appreciate the communication between drivers. I used to live on the east side and would take the one um, and they would tell, you know, then I had to get from the one to campus and they would tell the 11, hey, wait until we get there, you know. Um, and then also just like a lot of times we have groups that come in and they don't get their KUIDs um, for a few days when we have them. but. They have been really good about, you know, like when we get on the bus and we say, hey, yeah, this is a KU group. They're just brand new and don't have their IDs yet. They're really flexible with that. So, um, you know, and just helping our students, too. I think that's been really great. Uh, one of our the biggest comments that we get um, from our students is how friendly and helpful the bus drivers are. So. Great. 
I will agree with that. Um, even though, so I think overall Lawrence does a, a good job of uh, trying to have uh, bus routes that make sense. And uh, actually the frequency is much better than other places. Okay, so uh, key, if you have other thoughts about what they're doing well, you can uh, always speak up on those. But the next question is how could Lawrence Transit and or KU on Wheels serve the community better? And obviously we've heard a lot of ideas already, but um, anything else that you either wanna re reiterate or, or that hasn't been mentioned, um, please let us know. It would be really great to have some kind of coordination with the, um... KC bus service, um, just because, you know, like a lot of international students that don't have cars would still like to go into Kansas City on the weekends or in the evenings, and that's, of course, very limited. Um, so any kind of coordination there would be really appreciated, I think. Okay. Can I ask a clarifying question? Do you mean that in addition to the K-10 connector? The K-10 connector, as I understand it, unless it's changed since I last looked at it, only runs until like six or seven at night um, on the weekdays, and it doesn't really run much on the weekends. So that's been an issue for our students because they take classes, you know, Monday through Friday during the week, and then, you know, um, and then, you know, they want to go to, to Kansas City either, you know, Thursday or Friday evening or um you know, on the weekend to go out and stuff, but they'd have to get an Uber back because the service ends before, you know, it really allows them to get out. Um, and it's, I think, only got sure. two routes on Saturday or something like that, if I remember right. Yeah, they do just, uh, for informational point, run until 11 p.m. when it's KU classes in session before the pandemic. So the times that they're running right now may also be related to low ridership due to the pandemic. I don't know when they're going to bring it back to the regular schedule. Yeah, the big thing I think for ours is, is mostly on the weekends, Friday and Saturday nights, um, and being able to get back to. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm. So. I think this is a good segue to the next question, which is if um, passengers have the tools they need to understand and use Lawrence Transit um, or K KU on Wheels, we've heard a lot of talk about foreign students and whether they know how to use the service and have access to the information they need. But um, generally, are there sufficient tools for trip planning and um, you know stop level information, finding where the bus stops are, maps and schedules? Do people have what they need, the tools they need? I know when I first came to Lawrence, I tried to use the trip planning and it was really weird. It didn't work right. Um, so, I mean, granted that was five years ago and maybe it's it's better now, um, 
but yeah, I would go to the bus stop and there was no bus. And then I finally got the bus, bus brochure and I was able to, to use that, but the trip planner on the, the, the website did not work well. And then, uh, so you said you got brochures and in the case that you couldn't use a trip planner, were those um, fairly straightforward in, in your experience? Um, they are for me. I've taken buses in many different countries, so I was able to figure it out pretty quickly. But I know for our international students, I actually give a whole training on how to use the bus brochure because it's very confusing for them if they don't haven't worked with something similar. Um, you know, plus there's the language barrier too. So, sure. Okay. Any other thoughts on on that question about tools for navigation? Um, I I've only tried to use the real time uh, once or twice. It, and I don't remember why they didn't necessarily work out that day, <laughs> mm. but they did not work out. <laughs> mm. And and the best brochures are the one thing that I reference probably the most, um, but it does take some time getting used to figuring out where the time, the best time is for those stops in between the ones that mm -hmm. are listed. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. The non time points. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, if nobody else has comments on this one, we'll move to the next, um, Max, I see you raise your hand. Did you have a question or something to comment there? Oh, uh, I was just going to say, um, at least in my experience with using the the um, app for, um, you know, routing myself and stuff, I found it to be really effective. Um, but that's just my two. Okay, great. So then um, the next question is regarding the... Uh, passenger environment. So do the Lawrence Transit and KU on Wheels provide an inviting environment? And that could mean um, at the stop, it could mean on the vehicles, uh, just overall, is it a, a appealing and an inviting environment? Any thoughts on that? I would say it's, you know, it's pretty decent. Um, Benny, not having been on bus systems all around the world, it's better than some and not as good as others. So I think it's pretty good for, you know, a fairly small town in the US. Okay, great. All right, so then moving on. Um, I know we're short on time, Boris, but I yep. am curious, mm -hmm. someone who's written in other places, are there, um, can you think of a couple things about those better systems that you did like or that created a more inviting environment? I don't know if it was mostly related to stops or buses or both. I mean, I think definitely stops is a big issue here. You know, I know a lot of people put out, you know, bus benches or chairs or whatever. Um, so I think that's a big issue, but just, um, you know, like the German bus systems are a little bit plusher and nicer. And I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. It's, it's utilitarian and we don't have like really long bus routes here. So it works. We have a kind of another question that's sort of similar to that coming up. So um, if you think of something else, you can bring it up then. Um, so 
you know what Let, let's do the the last one next and then come back to this one about uh yeah so let's do that one um because it's very much what adam asked any other communities that you visited uh that you really thought that they did something they really got transit right and and it could be a model for lawrence and it doesn't have to be the, env the environment like any other interesting approaches whether it's the scheduling the routing the technology that they use anything that you think could be useful for us to to be aware of okay we can keep that in mind and we can come back to that so let's move back to the previous one rebecca thanks um so we've we've heard a lot of different ideas uh today about um, what's working and what's not if if you had to choose one thing that you thought that Lawrence Transit or KU on Wheels could change to encourage transit use, um, whether that's encouraging um, more frequent use among people who already use a service or convincing some folks who don't currently consider it a viable option, um, but maybe could, what do you think the top change would be that you would recommend? Only possibly having some like you know more park and ride options it might help um in general um because that could kind of maybe cut down on like one of the big things for me riding the bus personally is just you know expediency of getting to campus in a, in a reasonable amount of time um and then also like you know my uh, my options on the the, the getting off campus um to des destinations that might not be served as well so park and ride maybe or um oh sorry i had something else in mind and now it's gone out of my mind <laughs> real quick can i ask a follow-up on that um when you talk about park and rides are you envisioning uh, more, more like in-town park and rides or park and rides for folks that live further out um, maybe outside of lawrence that are because can't because the university is a fairly you know, major draw regionally, or or how do you envision that? Yeah, I think for people that live a little bit further off the routes, you know, and I mean, it might save on, um, you know, needing as many routes to service people too, because um, they could just, you know, hop onto a route that's a direct um, connection to their work or whatever. I don't know. I'm just throwing mm -hmm. out ideas that you know I've seen in other places that sure. might be helpful. Yeah, no, it's a good good thoughts. Okay, anybody else on some low hanging fruit or top priorities? Okay. Well, in that case, um, that gets us to the last question again. And any any other thoughts on places that get transit right that we could learn from? Okay. So, um, any any if anybody comes has any other thoughts that they would like to offer, uh, you can, as I said, go online and uh, go to the Lawrence Listens platform and take the transit survey. And there's uh, an opportunity for comments at the end about anything that you have in your mind. Um, we will be uh, running the survey through through early you know first week of July or so. Um, our next step in this project is to dive really um, into the service analysis piece. We've been focusing a lot on the market analysis and setting up um, opportunities for, for input. We're hosting public meetings as well as stakeholder meetings all this week. Um, and 
if uh, I guess we could go, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but we, we have a meeting almost every day this week. So if there's anybody that could not um, attend this, this meeting tonight and you think they might be interested, uh, they can certainly attend another meeting this week. Um, uh, but I will add that the links for all of the meetings were in the broadcast message that we sent out. And so that original message that went to everyone last Wednesday or so has the links to all of the other meetings as well. Perfect. Yeah. And they all are virtual. So, um, you know, every, anyone is welcome to, to join any of them. Um, but our next step after we've compiled the results of the surveys and input that we're getting from these meetings um, is to start putting together service scenarios. Uh, so we will, in a couple of months, come back um, and invite all of you to attend a similar meeting where we'll be presenting service scenarios in different, two different ways that service could be improved in the Lawrence, uh, in, in the community, in the city. Um, and we will be asking folks what they like and dislike about each scenario with the understanding that neither one of those scenarios will probably, you know, satisfy everybody. Um, but that we want to hear what you like and and don't like so we can come up with a hybrid approach um, uh, that that'll be our final recommended scenario at the end of the project so so that's where we are now um, does anybody have any questions or, or comments based on what you've heard tonight thanks for taking the opportunity and the time to to have these <laughs> thank you so. thanks for participating and hopefully spreading the word a bit further for the group, I did add a link to our project page in the chat. Um, so it's a project page that has information not only about route redesign, but also the transit facility work that we're doing. Those two projects are, are closely interlinked. Um, so uh, survey link is on there as well as links and background information for a bunch of other things. So uh, that's a good resource as well. Yeah, and as we summarize the surveys and the comments, we'll be posting um, those to the, to the same location as well. Um, after the survey wraps up, so. Okay, well, thank you all very much. Um, we appreciate all your feedback and all your comments and we look forward to speaking to you next time. Okay, good night. Bye.